Before we get started, I want to highlight one of the cooler features Shavers has been working on in recent memory, Playbook of the Week. If you've ever wanted to interact with a trader, this is right up your alley. Deliver it every Monday, POTW is an exclusive 30 to 45 minute live panel featuring a trading expert's take on the current market in hot sectors, primer on how to use Schaefer's proprietary trading analysis, a deep dive into a stock at the top of our watch list for the week, and a complete question and answer session. Full disclosure, I have listened to this every morning, and not just in the interest of making money, but just to get a feel for the week ahead. I'm a big planner, big mapper outer, uh, if you will, and if you're like me, this session is perfect for you. Plus, the Q&A portion means you can get a second opinion on any positions you might have. Quick example of how useful this has been. Last week, senior market strategist Brian Sapp, in his short-term bullish watch list, called out aluminum stock Alcoa, ticker AA. AA was a potential winner after aluminum was left off sanctions against Russia. Sure enough, AA made a double-digit move last week. There are three ways to get the Vimeo link. Dial 1-800-448-2080, or hit the link in this episode's bio, or visit shaffersresearch.com for more information. Now, let's get to Katie and Emma. All right, welcome back to Schaefer's Market Mashup. It's an episode that some would say is years in the making. I'm thrilled to be joined in person by Emma Duncan, co-managing editor here at Schaefer's and the legend herself, Katie Schaefer, COO of Schaefer's Investment Research. How is everybody? I'm very excited that Emma's in the office. She came all the way from California just yeah. to sit down with us. Yeah, she yeah. told me that over the weekend. It's like, you realize why I'm here, right? <laughs> And it, it, it puts some pressure on. So, no. This Anything is, this for the podcast. Yeah. Um, no, I'm glad you guys are here. This is a, a conversation I've been excited to have for a long time now. You've heard of talk in this space a lot about investing, options trading, strategy as it pertains to retail traders. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different. Uh, it's a very much needed dialogue, I think, about you know gender in the investing world and the dynamics of stock market stigmas. Uh, having gotten to know both of you over nearly going on five years here in April, uh, I think both of you bring you know incredibly fresh perspectives. Um, that's very necessary in today's world. Uh, so before we dive all into it, uh, let's get some background on both of you. Just you know how you got to here and in some important steps along the way. Emma, you go first. So I started working here about a month after Patrick in May of 2017, right out of college. It was fresh, um, and I started off as an assistant editor, and slowly just made my way up the ladder, and have learned a lot along the way. And Schaefer says changed a lot and we've all changed a lot, but I think we're in a really great place now and I'm excited to be here. All right. Um, this is Katie. Um, I started at Schaefer's also as an assistant, just assistant to the, um, CEO, my dad, Bernie Schaefer. Um, when I got started, I had a lot of just like ideas from like college. Like I wanted to like apply everything that I learned in college. Like that's how I thought everything worked. Like, you learn it in college, then you apply it in business, then you make the money. Like, that's just how things <laughs> work. One, two, three. And um, after I got started and I saw, like, the processes required to, like, implement new ideas and kind of, like, learned how everything had come to be, it really adjusted the way that I understood how business worked. And so um, I went from... I was an intern here for all of college. Um, I basically interned in every department um, that we have, and that was not true work because I would be—I would only do it if I could get Fridays off to go to the pool. Um, so um, that was not—that was very much not my career. Um, but um, when I graduated from college, um, this is where. I wanted to be, my dad has always been an inspiration to me um, and with what he's built and how hard he worked to build it. Um, 
options trading really wasn't that popular when he started. He kind of like went all in on options trading. And that's not just like professionally. I'm talking our family was like all in on options trading when I was about three years old. It's kind of always just been ingrained in me and, you know, went from his assistant to um, I ran our business development team, which was just like kind of our business to business, like partnerships and stuff like that. Um, then I moved into managing our internal sales team and customer experience team. And now here I am running all of it, <laughs> all of the different departments. So that's kind of how I got here. And it was really just like a progression of where I was learning and where I could apply what I'd learned and, you know, push myself out of my comfort zone repeatedly. Yeah. I think that's the case for both of you. You, mm-hmm. you guys have risen quickly through these ranks. Mm-hmm. I mean, Emma and I started at the same level and then due to, you know, a shakeup above us in what, three years, we found ourselves, you know, try having to hire our own people. Yeah. Um, and then basically reshape the department, how we see it. Emma, you can go first here again along this kind of climb up the corporate ladder. I hate that jargon, but it is true. I mean, it is a it's corporate a ladder. Uh, you know, what are some of the challenges, uh, you both have faced? I think definitely in, Being a female and then also being in a niche like finance and options trading, there was, one, a huge learning curve when I started because I did not know anything about the finance industry or stocks or Wall Street or anything like that when I started. I just knew how to write. And so I had a big learning curve. It took me about a year to be confident enough to keep getting better and Um, just improve myself and my work. And then I think after that, once I became more of like a manager and more in charge of other people, that comes with its own set of challenges and cross department working, working with um, other women and men in the workplace and just kind of figuring out how to balance everything while also covering the needs of like your employees so that we can all work together and stay as happy as possible. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think like, especially for you guys, for Patrick and Emma, um, you guys were pushed into a position that was outside of your comfort zone. Like you had just been kind of writing and editing, doing your own thing, like had somebody who kind of oversaw everything. And then, um, we put you guys in charge of the entire team and you guys, really like took the ball and ran with it. And it wasn't about like having one female and one male that were in the department that had nothing to do with it. It had everything to do with like the way you guys work together and the way together you could find a team that you could really build and keep happy, not just happy, but like motivated and like involved and, you know, growing their interests in the stock market, which we're in Cincinnati. Like this is not stock market central. Like it is everybody's into the stock market now, but five years ago, you know, there were like you worked at Fidelity or you worked here and there were like a few other small, like investing boutique type places. But if you were interested in investing, like you went to New York, you went to Chicago, you didn't stay here. So, um, we've been really lucky that we've been able to train people here in all areas, but we're talking about content right now on learning investing and finding compelling ways to, you know, to share our analysts, our, anal- our analysis, no. um, <laughs> and kind of share what our analysts are saying in a way that retail traders can understand it. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been a exciting, you know, kind of, I think transition in the past three years because we are essentially operating, I think with a blank slate. Once you would say the pandemic hit and everybody just, you know, dope headfirst into the stock market. I remember talking to Katie and be like, we, we could literally do anything. Like we could, like we could go into video, we can do, you know, confessionals. I mean, everything. And, and we have started to implement a lot of that stuff. Uh, but I think the first step there was to have, a team in place, at least on the digital side, that was equally as ambitious, equally as organized. And, you know, Emma deserves a lot of credit, I think, for kind of, you know, having the same vision. And, you know, there was zero, like, pushback at all. And I think that's so important in a workplace environment uh, that there is, you know, this kind of give and take that's not 
personal, that's not, you know, kind of ego driven. Um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting, I think, to, to be in that kind of situation. Um, so Katie, you can take this one first, you know, having been around in options trading in the stock market much, much longer than us. <laughs> I'm not that much older than you. True. So much longer. Like, so, so decades. For, like, for the record, listeners, she is, she is roughly my age. <laughs> roughly. But like so much but longer here. <laughs> but she's much more. But your whole family was into it. And yeah. yeah. I, 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 I was nothing. raised on options. That's a, that's a hilarious. <laughs> That's, it's great how that worked out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, how are some ways that you know, you have seen the stigma of thought that you know the stock market is dominated by men and you know mm-hmm. testosterone-driven environment? What, what have you seen change in the last five um, to ten years? You know, when we first, when I first started and went through like all of that um, training that we do here at Chaffers about like what are options? What's the stock market? Like what up in all of our like internal education programs, we used to have a book that was literally called women and in investing and it compared investing to shopping. And I thought, and this was like before anybody wanted to say anything about women and in investing. And there really weren't that many women who mm-hmm. invested. And I was like, that is so offensive <laughs> because there's more things that women understand than just shopping. But, um, so I remember that, like, as part, like, one of the first things I learned, I was just like, wow, that is, there's investing, and then there's investing for women, and it is different. Um, but I think that just in general, like, you know, Wall Street uh, just completely dominated by men. And um, when I did the partnership stuff um, earlier in my career, um, I would go to New York, and I would just be in rooms full of just like seasoned men like they have been in the industry for a really long time they've seen it all and I was just like this like 20 something like with the right last name Mm -hmm. to get their attention but not like you know I still like show up and they're like wow she's like a teenager Mm -hmm. and she's like asking us she's like coming with these ideas and it was like very difficult to be taken seriously um then I mean like there were a few great people that I met that didn't make it make me feel like I wasn't being taken seriously but I would say like the majority of people were like just kind of you know brush it off like oh it was nice to meet with her like can you bring Bernie back in at some point yeah. you know like yeah. let's bring this conversation around or yeah, they'd of. ask for my dad to be part of the meetings and stuff and it didn't really like at the time rub me the wrong way mm-hmm. because I was just like, I'm, I don't know. I'm still yeah. new. So I kind of just associated it with being new and it could have been totally associated. Like that could have been why they were like, right. I know. I know. <laughs> right. Emma rolls her eyes. Yeah. It, it's not, <laughs> no. but I think that essentially like, you know, for real wall street, like going down on wall street, like there are still like the restaurants that they go to are all men. And like, you have to get like a special exception for women to go with you. You have to basically be with a man who was like a member there and like women can't be members. So, um, I still remember that kind of stuff at the beginning, but like here, our traders have like, I'm trying to remember, we have had like one or two of our traders who were women. Um, so it's just like, it kind of builds on that stereotype that like, men are the people who manage money, men are the people who invest, men are the analytical ones, you know, all those stereotypes kind of just kind of get reinforced throughout. And like, my dad is like the best trader that I know and man, analytical, (laughs) like, you know, it's like the stereotypes are very cyclical. It's not, it's like there are men there who are doing the analysis and are doing the trading and are doing well. And then you're like, there's not any women there. And there's, you know, you don't even know that you have a stereotype that, just men are in finance. Um, over the years, not just with like COVID, I've definitely seen like a big increase in our customer base of women who are looking to um, take control of their finances. And it's not just like single women who like are like, you know, either widows or divorced and trying to like recoup whatever's going on with their finances. Like it's women who are just like actively like, Married or not, they want to take control of their investments. They want to understand what options trading can do for their portfolio. And it's very refreshing. It's still not the percentage you'd like to see. Um, 
but like there are a lot of sites like Elvest and there's a bu- there's a bunch of news or magazines too that are just dedicated to highlighting people in fine women in finance who have moved the needle because they need that highlight because everything is about the men that move the needle and so like those highlights of women in finance are just so important. Yeah, I completely echo and agree with that. I think even I've struggled sometimes to learn when to push back and you know, I think we're really I feel lucky here to have like a female in charge, but most women probably don't have that. And so I can't imagine not having like another woman who's above all the other men to like have my back. Cause otherwise I probably wouldn't take as many risks or push as much, but um, I've definitely learned to kind of stand my ground and hold my own um, because yeah, most of the traders here, well, all of them that we have now are men mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a lot of them are great though. And so that's, that's what matters is it also matters how it's honestly, it's the men who have to kind of step up a lot and be like, Hey, like, that's great. Like, sure. Of course. Like, and be really aware of how you're treating your coworkers, especially the women and make sure that everything's equal because it's, just genuinely not and you I think they can get really used to that and you know it's just how it's been for a long time so it's a lot of work to break that yeah I mean breaking stereotypes that you didn't even create is very difficult because it's not just like everyone is like gen like is sexist in right everyone is sexist in general on average um but you know there's it's just built in to society so it's not just like here like our little bubble at Schaefer's we're really lucky because there are a lot of strong women that work here and there's a lot of men who are comfortable working with strong women and are comfortable with a woman voicing the same kind of feedback or pushback or ideas as men like there's no difference and like Patrick's a great example of that because there's definitely people not at Chambers but there's definitely people out there who hear something from a woman and hear some, the same thing from a man and are much more on board with the man the man saying it just because stereotypes so um but I feel like that's something that is just like a it's a road that you have to keep stepping up it's not something that you can just change here even though I feel like we've done a really good job we have strong female managers and we have strong male managers and everyone knows how to coexist and not treat each other differently or if you push back on something just call somebody um, just call somebody like a bitch or call somebody like rude or I can't believe she feels like she could talk to me like that um that I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we can like if that if there was ever anybody who said something like that or felt like that like I feel like our team you know the majority of our team knows that that's not okay and it gets addressed right away it's not like a lingering issue where you just feel like every time you bring up a concern someone's gonna be like Ugh, what a bitch yeah <laughs> yeah I think it's a climb we have to make together and mm-hmm. so it takes equal effort from men and women to kind of coexist from a personal perspective. I can attribute a lot of my background and, you know, comfortable or comfort level with this. My mom, you know, my mom, what has, is been in politics for 24, she's won 17 straight elections. She has had to deal with that on the, on the public level. Badass in that sense. And so I, I grew up seeing this. However, not everybody has that background like me. So for anyone that doesn't, you, you, there are so many walls to break down. And I think both of you touched on something of, one, accountability, and two, just kind of visibility. Both of those nonstop. L-Invest, right? Is that it? L-Invest. And then as far as, like, like, the more of that becomes prevalent and mainstream, it's it, it's going to help the narrative change quicker than just kind of like a natural progression. It, it, it'll, it'll push it forward. And I want to go back to you here. Because I appreciate this. I did not come from a finance background at all. The, the classic story is I got a, I, did I fail it? Uh, wait. Yeah, I did have to. I did that. I did that. 
No, I failed. I failed microeconomics. I failed it. Uh, I failed microeconomics my sophomore year. I retook it and got a B minus. Uh, and I know you came. You're an English major at UC, correct? I did communications and professional writing. Okay. So basically, basically. Okay. So, what challenges did you have in adjusting to that? You know, completely new ecosystem. Yeah, it was a huge, huge adjustment. Um, I think when I started, I was just so eager to get a job, honestly, anywhere out of college as a writer. I thought that would just be the coolest thing. And um, Schaefer's was one of the places I got an interview at. And I remember in my interview talking to our former boss and being like, oh, like, I don't know anything about finance. Like, why am I here? And she was like, don't worry, don't worry. And so the learning curve for that was just so immense. I couldn't even, you can't even explain it to anyone that hasn't done it. Like it literally takes the full year minimum. And then you're, I mean, we're still learning. We're going into year five. Like we're still learning stuff and I have no finance, like education, formal education, but now it's my old boss used to joke that it was like, we have like a finance degree by the time that first year is over. Cause you've learned a completely new language almost and jargon and um and then coming from my communications and professional writing background I had to kind of retrain myself of like how to write more concise and cut things short and really just lose all of that stuff that you teach yourself in college to reach word counts and do all this other random crap that doesn't really matter and so it was just a lot of scaling back getting more simple and helping other people be able to read and digest what we were trying to relay from the traders and our analysts. And so it was definitely a lot of work, but now it's just like second nature. So it just takes a lot of repetition. And I mean, I honestly feel like after the first year, not only do you guys learn about the market and learn about like how stocks work and how we analyze things, but you also like get to the level where you can teach other people about it. And like, that is an entirely different level of education and understanding. Like, it's not just like, can you tell me what a call and a put is? Like, can you define this indicator? It's like, explain it. Why does this indicator matter? Like, why would someone trade call or why would someone buy calls in this situation? Like, it, it is, it is an immense training that happens over you know, it sounds like, oh, you had a year to do it. That's fine. You were also like working during that right. year writing. Yeah. It's not like you were just like taking courses and learning how to do <laughs> no, it. Yeah. yeah so I mean, that's how we learned. It was yeah. through working. And that's honestly how I learn is by doing it, like physically doing whatever I'm being taught. Well, right now, if you get a comp from a trader, it probably takes you, what, 30 seconds to two minutes to see it, identify what it is, understand it, clean anything up that might be wrong look at a chart and say like, okay, this, this, this yeah. is what, you know, I ident- identify support resistance done to, to, to think that like 2022 us is doing that as opposed <laughs> to 2017, you know, shows how far we, we've come. And I think that's because oh, of the yeah. environment we're given here where, you know, at the same time it's high pressure, there are deadlines and stuff, but there is an open learning curve. Uh, and I think that comes from, I think Katie's background, you know, with, with your dad and, and everything. So if, if you wanted to expand on that a little bit, you know, how you, you, you joined an industry that he essentially founded. So when I joined it, the funny thing is I didn't even understand it was like an industry. Like you, yeah. I just was like stock market. Like yeah. that was it. I didn't understand how niche our company was um, until I really started working here. We would go to like money shows and other like speaking engagements and these people would just like follow my dad around and like begging him to talk to him. And I was just so thrown off because like I had that like father daughter, like I idolized him. I thought he was the smartest man in the world. And, you know, he's amazing. He created this entire like company. He like runs every single aspect of it. Like that's my mindset. And then we get to these money shows and he's doing like the keynote speech in front of like thousands of people people are following with the following part was like the craziest thing in the world. Like I felt like he needed security and all he had was me. And I'm just like so blown away by like the, 
how much people valued his just like market outlook. Like it wasn't even specific to options trading. So like wrapping my head around the power of our brand was probably one of the like most important parts of growing and developing and being able to create an environment where people can collaborate and create and like build even greater ideas. And like you said that I created the environment. I didn't, you guys also could contribute to that environment. Each manager that I have adds to that environment with their ideas and ways of pushing the market forward. The market has changed so much in just the last year. I mean, two years, like COVID, everything has just like shifted significantly and that impacts everybody differently. Like, Traders, obviously, they have to readjust how they're looking at the market. There's like a million new indicators and funds and stuff like that for people to use to measure what's going on in the market. You know, from a writing perspective and from our con, like the free content that we post on the website and our newsletters, it's like, you're, do we start in, when did we start incorporating stuff about Bitcoin? Like, at first it was like, okay, everyone's obsessed with it, but no one knows anything about it. And then we're like, okay, our, like, investors are actually taking money that they used to invest in the stock market and put it in cryptocurrency. And we need to figure that out and make sure our audience is informed because, like, we need to, like, stay on top of that concept that our, the best traders are educated traders and no one should be trading without education. And, we kind of stepped out of just options trading. We like included information on cryptocurrency. We talked about the rise of Bitcoin and how that impacts and correlates with the market. Like the market of constantly evolving and ha- and being able to constantly evolve with it. You know, I learned that from my dad. Um, he was always kind of like, you know, making moves constantly. It always seemed like he was making moves before anything happened. And then I'd be like, why is he making that move? And then the thing would happen. And I'd be like, no, but you know, it's still like, it's still like that now. Like when, when the, um, Robin hood traders started, um, I still remember we like had a meeting, like maybe like mid summer of the first year of COVID back in 2022. And he was telling me how, you know, Tesla weekly options traders were like tracking where they were always buying the cheapest option. They weren't buying like they were, they were just going Tesla weekly buying the cheapest option on the options chain. And it was like creating this opportunity for him to basically trade against it. And I was like, I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, you know, I got the like gist of what he was saying, but I was like, why is that so important? And, like, sounds like a very specific opportunity. But, like, yeah. it was essentially like, this is how meme stocks are going to start evolving. Wow. And, you know, he, it's, he still has that, you know, feel for the market. And I still learn a lot from him every day. It's not like I just like was gifted the running the company and now (laughs) I don't need him at all. And I, you know, I I like looked at him and I looked at my managers for a lot of my ideas and a lot of like the direction that the company's going. I mean, look at the meta platforms, but from from January. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal. Like when when, when Facebook (laughs) first tanked there, it was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Like we, like we nailed that. I wanted that like plastered over everything. (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, And, and, you know, there was a united effort of like, you know, get this out everywhere. Yeah. Uh, And I think, that's a very unique environment where, you know, like Bernie, you know, gets that done, but then everything else was just moving like a fine tuned machine. We like made sure our customers understood like how he did that. It's not like he like predicted that that the Mm -hmm. market, that meta was going to crash or he didn't necessarily predict what was going to happen with earnings, like whether it was going to be good or bad. He predicted that it was not going to be a good reaction regardless. Mm -hmm. And, like, trading earnings is an art form. I don't even know if you call it, like, science anymore. Like, earnings is gut feeling with, along with, like, you know, the technical sentiment, fundamental, all that stuff. But it is swinging for the fences. And you have to be willing to take some serious hits. Absolutely. Um, You know, looking at something like DraftKings now recently that just got torched. Um, So... A more specific question, I think, and, and Emma can go first here. Who have you looked up to as a role model, whether personal or just kind of in, you know in life in general, um, as you, you you've acclimated to you know this role and going forward? Um, I definitely was super lucky. I grew up with two moms who are very pro higher education, very pro career, and also very pro 
being able to have it all. You could be a mom, you can have a marriage or a relationship, a partnership, and then you can also be educated and keep up with your career and work really hard. And obviously there were always sacrifices that they had to make. But um, I mean, I remember being 12 and watching my mom go back to school to get a double master's degree. And um, she became a professor. And uh, for a long time, she was in school with uh, my older brothers and was a single mom. So she just always had a hustle about her. And then she also always pushed me once I realized I wanted to do writing. I mean, even in middle school, she would always help me improve. And of course, at the time I like hated her for it. And I was like, I don't want to keep redoing this, but I'm so grateful because then by the time I got to college, I was so much better at even just doing my papers and things like that. And then the drive of that and being able to just be a woman and be a director or be these large roles because I got to see that firsthand. I was always expected to go to college and get a higher education and work my ass off and go because that's what we do. (laughs) There's no other option for that. So yeah, definitely my mom's. I was very, very lucky with that. So I would say that both my parents were my role are my biggest role models. Um, my dad from just that, the way that he just like hustled and, you know, the way he'll put everything into the, like his decisions, like he'll trust his gut and he will just move forward. He will like, I think it's called, it's like, he's like an agent of his own change. Like he is going to make the change happen. Like if something's not working, he's going to change it. If something is working, he is going to like blow it out. And he spent like all of my childhood, which I could be like, wow, wow, my dad was always gone. <laughs> but you know, back back thirty years ago, you couldn't promote your company or promote like yourself as like a, a real analyst without going to New York all the time. So he spent I mean honestly he spent two weeks every month in New York. Wow. Like it was it was constant mm-hmm. because he was always hustling going to the New York going to New York Times, USA Today, CNBC, Fox Business, whatever else was around back then. Yeah. He was constantly and he couldn't do it remote. So everything yeah. he did was constantly he worked his ass off for this company and I got to witness it firsthand and I didn't completely understand all everything going on, but I saw somebody who decided what they wanted to do and went after it with everything and so that's always been kind of like the hustle behind me is like you can't like under hustle him because he did all this to build this brand and you got to hustle and you got to find people who are going to hustle and get this stuff done and make sure that we stay in a position where we are the best options trading newsletter we are the best with educating options traders we provide the best options commentary on our site like you have to, when somebody instills in you that like they decide they're the best and then they go get it, like that's just kind of something that you decide. On the other side, my mom was always just kind of like, she would support everything that I did. She, with like her, again, all in. My, my parents were just kind of all in. I went to college for psychology and she was like all in behind that, but trying to find ways to take my like fascination with like serial killers and sociopaths <laughs> and all that that I just have had forever yes. and um, kind of convert that into something that we could actually use outside of college instead of just graduating with a weird with a weird psychology degree with no intention of being a therapist or a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, so she we would focus like she would like push me to take like social psychology like. Um, organizational psychology things like that how to work together with other people how to like change the environment to make people um more productive and things like that where you're like manipulating things socially to help people become better versions of themselves thus helps the company become better versions of itself kind of how i just like it's just like the hustle and all in and like the push push. yeah yeah the the front and the back yes and it was just like, those are the best parents. Yeah. Did not like it when I was younger, though. Exactly. That's very I, annoying. I, I would very much not like to have worked so hard in I high know. school. I did not see my friends she doing it. I did not rewrite oh. so many papers. Mm-hmm. It was. I, I mean, I remember sitting <laughs> my, with my dad 
Because <laughs> my, my, my dad would always make me, would always double check my homework, which I thought was yeah. a huge invasion, invasion of my privacy. <laughs> um, and so, like, I remember I, I would be just downstairs watching TV, and he'd be upstairs on, on his computer. Keep in mind, this is his free time that he's doing. He's checking his son's homework. And he'll be like, yo, Patrick, come up here. Oh, God. And like like you guys both said, like you hated it, but they kind of like dragged you kicking and screaming into yeah. this kind of mindset, this grind hustle mindset. And you can see it up and down this company. You know, this is you know you know who Emma and I tried to hire, uh, yeah, you know, beneath us. And, and I think, and four out of six are women. You know, in our in our department. Yes. You know, you you kind of look you know look past that kind of stuff and it's it's something that i think we're proud of is that like it's we're not sitting here saying oh we have four out of six that are women it's like we have six finders and hustlers yeah uh, and i think that's so important in a company uh, especially as it pertains to finance yeah we weren't trying to meet quotas like, yeah no, exactly there's nothing in our like you know when we go through hiring I don't want to say that we do blind hiring because honestly i just like, don't even know what technology is required to mm-hmm. do that but um, I would say that like when we look at kind of our applicants that come through and the kinds of people that we're interviewing, like there's, you can't tell that there's, a, you can see a higher interest in anything stock market related in from men, but like you can see women that come through that are just as qualified and mm-hmm. we don't hesitate to interview them because they're women or because well, without anything like that. Yeah, we have a study here that, that, yeah. that Katie sent us. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like the, I mean, I read the article last year and I was like, oh, my psychology degree finally makes sense. <laughs> um, well, first of all, it, it chalks up like, you know, men trading too much due to testosterone, oh. which is, which makes like perfect sense. That's so simplified, right? Yeah. Like anybody can understand that like everyone knows hormones. Everyone knows that men have more testosterone than women. And, you know, everyone knows, like, in, g- in general what testosterone means, but when you apply it to investing, mm-hmm. it's not not what you want. It's not, like, a benefit. Right. This is a little off the script here, but I, I was thinking of it last week. When you see someone like Kathy Wood mm-hmm. in, in the ARK investing, you know, I, I, I do. I think she gets sometimes unfairly like shit on. Absolutely. You know, for like everyone like, oh, great job with growth stocks. And like, would you really be saying that if it was like a Warren Buffett growth fund? It'd be a praise. I like love a study on like the kinds of headlines that they use with Kathy Wood oh. compared to like other major money managers because you know it's always like she is just making like she's so aggressive and she's mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. so definitive and right. it's like. That's valued in men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being aggressive and making decisions like concretely and being like, this is the direction that we're going. That's valued. And on the other, <laughs> yeah. other side of the coin, how many articles have you read of Warren Buffett? Like, he's so patient. Mm-hmm. He, you know, it, it, if that was flipped, he, he ain't getting that kind of attention. Mm-hmm. It would it would be like, ah, you know, he's just sitting there, you know, on his, on his hands. He's not doing anything. Yeah, he's scared. Yeah, he's scared. Exactly. So that kind of pivots into kind of the last question, which is, you know, kind of a two-parter. Feel free how you, you know, you guys want to split this up, but equality and equity in the workplace, you know, where do you see that going next? And then more specifically, you know, my mom's going to love that I asked this question because it's like, you know, the kind of the nasty woman stigma. She used it in her political campaign. Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's she's been called every name under the sun by, sure. by people like face-to-face, like during meetings and hearings. Um, you know, how do you, how do you kind of untether that stigma with like saying like aggressive in a spot while still being aggressive and assertive? It's such a difficult question to ask. I think honestly, I just need to hand it over to you and <laughs> let you guys take it from there. I think it's a delicate, delicate balance. Um, and honestly, it's also a balance that you will never achieve because as a woman, you're always going to end up pissing someone off and you're always going to end up being too emotional or too pushy or blah, blah, blah. Like, honestly, like at this point, I'm, I'm proudly call myself a nasty woman. Like I have the t-shirt that says it and I've marched around for the women's march. And, and I just think it's important to embrace it. Like you can call whatever names you want to call us. We've already been called it before. And 
I'm just going to embrace that and continue to like move higher and just do what's best for me. And if it makes you uncomfortable, then that's something you have to look inward towards. And I think a lot of it though, the, you know, the hardest part to admit and then, cause you also have to be kind of humble and realize that, you know, as assertive as I want to be, I also realize that a lot of my success also comes from men who have backed me up and men who have spoken up for me because otherwise I wouldn't have been heard, which is just the sad truth. And so it's a lot in the ballpark for men to do that, which is why Patrick and I work really well together. If we had opposing views on that, there's no way I would be where I am. And like, we would just be butting heads all the time, you know, it just like wouldn't work. So if you can't see it equally. I mean, and it's the same with like equal pay and things like that. You know, I can't know if I'm making the same, if the men aren't honest about what they're making. So we need to remove the stigma for talking about salaries in our workplaces. And, um, we need, I mean, Truly, we need the support of other men, of men to do that for us, or else we can't because that they're the ones who rule the roost, societal-wise, um, all from what has been just ingrained in us, mm-hmm. and, you know, so that's, we just need to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that, like, my dad's method of management has always been decisive, um, and he just like makes the decision, doesn't like he was never like somebody who would, um, you know, like pull everyone and be like, is this a, like, what do you guys think? Like, is this a good decision? <laughs> yeah. Like, are we all on the same page? And you know, he just like made the decision, his gut instincts were right. If they weren't, like, we just tossed it. Like, it was just very much like, and that was kind of like my role model growing up with somebody who was just like authoritative. Top, I don't want to say top down because that has a negative connotation, but like he made the decisions. It was like his, like his livelihood depended on it. It was like that was how it was. And um, my sister and I were talking the other day um, because she is a plastic surgeon. Um, she's graduating from a plastic surgery residency at UVA, which is, you know, plastic surgery is a very male-dominated, any kind of specialty. Mm-hmm. Surgery is very male-dominated, so she she hits roadblocks all the time for being a mom and, you know, all that stuff. Aside from that, though, she um, was listening to a podcast, I think, and they said, and the, like, general line was, with more authority, you have to have more vulnerability. And I think that's really true for men and women, that, like, when you have power to make change, you the, if you don't ask other people what they think and you just manage from the top down, that gives men or women, that gives people the feeling that, like, you're the one making the decisions. They're not invested in it. If it fails, it's really not, like, you know, you maybe, like, didn't do your job well, but, like, you're not invested in that decision. And I think especially for women, they need to stop being, like, look down upon because they want to get everyone's opinion first Mm -hmm. because getting other people's feedback kind of allows you to be vulnerable to say like, I don't have all the answers. Like, and that's okay because I have this great team who will like help me come up with the right answer with all these different perspectives. And I think that's the hardest thing is that like everyone needs to do that. Not just women, Mm -hmm. men need to do that too. The idea that like, being the only person who knows all the answers like that idea is dead Mm -hmm. you have to be somebody who's open to being like I don't have all the answers but I am confident in my team to come up with those answers and without that like and you know like I tried to be just like my dad when we first when I first took over the um COO role and it just didn't fit for me Mm -hmm. it was you know I tried to be just like I make the decisions tell people what to do this is what's this is what's going down, you know, get on board or get out. That's just that like never felt good to me. I never felt like I got the best out of people. And um and then I would be I would kind of go back to like who I actually was and then people would be like, you who which, which <laughs> one I, am I today? Yeah. 
Um, and I found that, like, you know, leadership with vulnerability is really the only way to lead in a way that your team's behind you and you get the best people. Because even, like, we're a small business. Like, you know, once you get to the top and you have, and even not at the top, you have people underneath you. Like, you need people bought in and you want people bought in because that makes your team better. Like, if you have a bunch of people who are just going through the missions, like, that sucks. No one's having fun. You know, we're not getting the best content. We're not getting the best, like, we're not doing the best for our customers. If you have a team that's, like, bought in, you know, their their voices are heard. Even if you don't use all their ideas, like, they're heard. You know kind of, like, where their ideas are going. You can kind of steer them into, like, more productive ideas or, like, like launch off of their ideas. That's so important. And, like, you, it, I, I don't think it's appropriate for if a woman wants to, you know, if somebody tr- like does something wrong and a woman points it out, like, being called a nasty woman is ridiculous because that, the thing was wrong. You pointed yeah. it out. There's no reason yeah. for that to have anything to do with my gender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does. Um, and I think that, in general, female managers are more likely to be at least attempted to be taken advantage of because mm-hmm. they assume there's more kindness, more – kindness seems not the right word – um, compassion, empathy, you know, support, like that supportive nature. Like you want to help people. You don't want to see people struggling. Again, like what Emma said, we need men to also feel like that. We need men to also be supportive. We need men to support women when they make the hard decisions. Like no one wants to have the confrontational interaction, but like both men and women have to do it and they should be treated equally. And like the last thing I want to say is as far as like equal pay, that is so important to me, and I make sure here that that is, like, not without question, even, and equal. And it is not, like, I don't have two for every position, so it's hard to say, like, each position is, like, mm-hmm. if you were a man, if you were a woman. But any positions that are comparable, like, you're seeing my exact same kind of comparable across the board based on experience. Yep. And that was very important to me because... Not that everybody's just talking about comp all the time, but, like, the idea that women are paid less than men just because they're women or just because they took time off for to have a child for three, four months and had to reintegrate into the workforce, like, you took three months off. Why does that mean that you were, like, you make less percentage less? It's, you know, it, there's, it makes no sense that there's even any kind of ratio for what a woman makes right. versus what a man make a man makes in that exact same role. Um, and so we do our, you know, we do our best here. We do what we can do to control what we can control. Um, we support groups that, like you know, rally for for everyone being treated equally and everyone being mm-hmm. given the same opportunities. And you know. Everyone has to do their part, not just men, not just women, not just women in power, you know, and I think it's important to have women in power and men in power because everyone needs somebody to look up to and everyone needs a resource to be able to talk to about like, hey, you know, like this guy kind of like implied something that I was like being like too aggressive and like all I did was say this and like it made me feel uncomfortable. And if you don't have anybody to say that to who's actually going to, like, hear you and, like, address the situation. It's, like, just very isolating and just, like, demoralizing. And, you know, we can't have that here. And we're very lucky that we have female leaders and male leaders who are like, yeah, that's not going to be tolerated here. Like, we don't do that here. Mm -hmm. You might see it outside here. It's not here. Not here. (laughs) Uh, And that's not as to say, like, oh, we're all so special and amazing. Not perfect. We slid, the more of kind of this that there is, the more dialogue, the more examples, the more success stories there are. I mean, the more prevalent it can be. And then also kind of going back to what you were saying about tying together vulnerability and with empowerment, I think is so, so important. Um, You know, because it's not always just rah, 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 like, come on team, let's do this. Like, I hate that sort of, you know, motivation. It's useful in times, trust me. But I think, you know, adding a sense of vulnerability to that is so, so important, uh, you know, regardless of gender. And, yeah. and, you know, every person doesn't get supported in the same way. And it's not just gender. Like, 
I have men who need same support as women, and I have, you know, it's not about stereotypes. It's about yeah. that person, and we're lucky that it's a small business because we know each of our employees, and we know what they need. And so listening to them and hearing them and supporting them, like that's what builds a business where people are invested and, you know, women might be better traders. <laughs> I don't know. I'll just throw <laughs> that in. Time will I'll just throw that in at the end. You know, there's a lot of articles yeah. about it. Like, but um, from a psychological perspective, like women are more like want to know everything before they make a trade. Men are more gut instinct traders and, you know, there's always going to be things that are different. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like everybody's just going to become one gender with all the same stereotypes. Right, yeah. But appreciating people, what people bring to the table, doesn't have to be about gender. It can you can just take somebody for what they bring to the table. It's about balance. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's about balance. And the the last thing that I'll say, and why I'm so grateful for you guys for coming on, this is as kind of basically as I'm wrapping up here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to have these kind of discussions where it's not pandering. You know, we're kind of dissecting it and figuring it out as we're going along. And I think that's why I want this episode to be as basically unedited as possible because it just shows us figuring it out and not some kind of like, oh, we're all. And not of- like it doesn't. We don't conclude this episode and say, like, we know what we're doing. We have all the answers. <laughs> Hit it. us up if you need, any, <laughs> if you need some management hacks. Right. Like, we got no. it. Right. Every single male and female is 100% happy. All yeah. the time. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, exactly. it's like a learning yeah. process, and embracing the learning process is like that's what people need to keep talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's and, and options trading and in life and work life balance. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all work. there. That is, the, that's the key. Yes. It's not, it's not stereotypes. It's not, you know, women managing their, like, should I be, should I say this? Should I remove an exclamation point? Should I, mm-hmm. like, Ada, if you think this is about, like, it's not about that. It's about everybody constantly trying to improve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On, on, and supporting each other as they try to improve, even when they make mistakes. And if this episode opens up kind of the mind and ears of one person, exactly, then that's a win. Oh, for sure. And shit, we're damn near at an hour here, so... We can cut, but we've got Emma Duncan, co-managing editor here at Schaefer's. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. And then Katie Schaefer, COO, Schaefer's Investment Research. Uh, I, I think this has been so great. And Maybe we should go to California. For <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, that sounds great. I've actually never the been beach. to California. Yeah, I think Wait, maybe yeah. like just a beachside. Yeah, part two. <laughs> part two by the beach. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, let's make it happen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. This is awesome.